0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and before we get started with today's episode, I want to make sure that you know that I'll be teaching a free masterclass the first week of April all about how to overcome overwhelm. If you ever feel like the weight of your family is on you, on your shoulders, and you are about to collapse underneath the load of it all, this class is for you. I will teach you three actionable steps you can take to start reprioritizing your responsibilities and shifting your perspectives, so family life feels more manageable and less overwhelming. Sound too good to be true? Well, the class is free, so you have nothing to lose by signing up and coming to see if I can help you. The Overcoming Overwhelm Masterclass will be offered twice during the first week of April, so you can choose the time that is best for you, and there will also be a replay. Just go to 3 30 podcastcom slash masterclass to reserve your seat. That's 3 podcastcom slash masterclass. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 164 Three Ways to Heal Your Relationship with Food This Year. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30 minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here For hundreds of thousands of people all over the world, January is the month of the new diet. I'm sure most of us have been there with a the New Year's resolution to cut out all sugar, do a whole thirty or lose twenty pounds. If you currently have a New year's resolution like this, that's okay. I don't want this episode to shame you or make you feel like you're doing something wrong. I just want to give you additional perspective on on ways you can care for your body that seemingly have nothing to do with food and yet have everything to do with food. If you've listened to 3 and 30 from the beginning, you may know that I have a long history with eating disorders. It started for me when my mom was dying of cancer when I was in college and I used harsh food restriction and excessive exercise to deal with my grief and try to find some control in my life. A few years later when I was going through infertility, I started binge eating, again trying to use food to numb my pain, but this time trying to shove it down through excess. After we adopted my son Noah, my disordered eating patterns only worsened due to the stress of new motherhood, and I knew it was time for me to seek some professional help. That's when I first started seeing a counselor, and I have been utilizing counseling as a tool to support my mental health fairly consistently. In the almost 10 years since, that's a lot of therapy, my friends, <laughs> and it has done me a world of good. My relationship with food and my body is still occasionally a struggle for me, but overall, I'm in a completely different place than I was before I started counseling, with so many more tools for emotional resilience, so much more perspective on the value of my body beyond just what it looks like, and so much more self-assurance in who I am. Today, I'm thrilled to get to interview my favorite therapist I've ever worked with, Natalie Shea. Natalie is a registered psychotherapist in Canada who has also been trained in somatic work, mindfulness, and life coaching. She has specialized in working with binge eaters and emotional eaters for over 15 years and has supported thousands of people to heal their relationship with food and their bodies, including me. I've worked with Natalie for almost five years now, and she has made a tremendous impact on my life. You're going to get a taste of her work in this episode today, and if you're interested in learning more from her, she's starting her signature small group course, Healing Emotional Eating, very soon, January 26th, so make sure you check out the show notes for that information. Before we dive into this conversation with Natalie, I want to remind you about this month's podcast sponsor, which feels incredibly aligned with today's episode, and that is BetterHelp, the world's largest provider of online counseling. As you just heard, my counselor lives in Canada, so yes, we do meet over Zoom. And you know what? It's amazing. Before working with Natalie, I would have been skeptical that I could actually build an impactful relationship with a counselor over the internet. But it is totally possible, and I love that I don't have to leave my house for an appointment. I don't have to find childcare or take time out of my schedule to drive to and from, or even get dressed for the day. I will admit I have had many sessions with my online counselor while sitting on my bed in a comfy robe. Truly, online counseling is ideal for busy moms, which is why I'm so grateful that BetterHelp has continued to partner with 3 and 30 this year. Now, to be clear, Natalie isn't through BetterHelp because I didn't even know BetterHelp existed when I reached out to her five years ago. But BetterHelp has a network of thousands of licensed professional counselors all over the United States with a wide variety of expertise. So what you do is you go to their website and fill out a questionnaire about your needs, and then you get matched with the counselor. And if at any time you decide it's not the right fit, you can easily switch with no extra charge. Through BetterHelp, there are options to call, video chat, and even text your counselor. It's so convenient. So I hope you'll go to betterhelp.com slash three thirty to try it and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp slash three and thirty. And now onto the show. Here's my conversation with my counselor, Natalie Shea. Here we go. Natalie, welcome to three and thirty.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Well, I was just thinking yesterday that you actually knew me before 3 and 30 existed, which is pretty fun to now have you on. I remember back in the early days when we started counseling together. I sort of sheepishly admitted to you my dream to start this podcast as you were kind of helping me to try to find more sense of purpose in my life. And now look where we are. It's pretty amazing.
1: It is. I remember when you shared that with me having shivers because I could so appreciate that and saw your passion for it. So it was really incredible to see where you are now.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that is a really good segue into what we're going to talk about today because... I went to you to talk about body image issues and eating disorder stuff and food, and yet a lot of the work that we did was not about food. It was about me finding a deeper sense of myself and more fulfillment in my life, which then radiates out to my health choices and my food choices and how I take care of myself. And so I love that we're going to have this focus today. And I was wondering if you could just start by telling us a little bit about why you got involved in this work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I struggled for such a long time with my eating, emotional eating and binge eating. Um, It started from such young age, around six. And I remember hiding the cookies and just continuing diet after diet. And eventually, after about 10 different diets, like Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig, and seeing so many dietitians and nutritionists um, at 16, my parents decided that it was time to go through surgery, because if the diets aren't working, then something's wrong. So I actually went through liposuction, and it just came out at that time. Mm. I'm 42 now, and it came out. I did it when I was 17. And after about six months, I put the weight right back on, and I realized that there's something so much bigger going on, because if it is my biggest goal in my life, how come I can't take the weight off? Um mm. So I dug deeper and I started speaking to different counselors and starting to see that it had little to do with the food and little to do with exercise and so much more to do with what's underneath there. The food was just on the surface. It was a way to try to get my needs met. But what I was really craving was connection with myself and connection with others.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this is the work that you've done with me for the last five years. And I've worked with several different counselors. Um, And usually I see a counselor for about a year or less. And I kind of like I get what I need from them. And then I take a little break and then I will try someone new if I start to struggle again. But with you, I'm like, I feel like I still am learning from you every time that we talk and meet, and this is the longest I've ever seen anyone, and you've just become such a dear friend and always have new, fresh insights for me on how I can really take care of my soul and how that will radiate out to taking care of my body, so... I'm so honored that you're going to share some of those things today on the podcast. And we only have 30 minutes. So, I mean, this is years of work that I've done, but 30 minutes, we're going to try to give some highlights. So why don't you just jump in with your first takeaway about how we can heal our relationship with food this year?
1: I love that. Okay. And it's been such an honor to work with you, just on a side note. (laughs) Um, So the first takeaway I would say is prioritize self-care. And often people think of manicures and pedicures and um, going out with friends, which are all great. But there's something much deeper than that. And that is what your body and soul actually want. And Mm -hmm. so something that I really um, focus on with people is gentle movement or nourishment, um, making sure they get rest, especially as moms. Uh, We give so much to other people and we put ourselves last. So what I really what I really focus on is slowing down and remembering that we're still people and I have two kids myself and I really can see how easy it is to get lost in them. Um, Mm. But I need to prioritize myself and I notice all my clients do need to do the same. Otherwise, what happens is we turn to food to get those needs met, which doesn't actually meet them on a deeper level.
0: Yes, yes. And one thing that you've helped me to do is to get really practical with that because I feel like we know this, you know, we're like, I should take better care of myself. I should get more sleep. It would it would bless all areas of my life. But you've helped me to actually like make a, make a checklist of nourishing meals, gentle movement, rest, and to look at where is it fitting in my schedule? Where am I actually going to do it? Particularly in times... When I'm really stressed or coming back from a vacation or something, you actually schedule, you look at your week after a vacation and schedule this stuff in, right?
1: Absolutely. So a couple of things here. So when we have um, any type of transition, it could be coming home from work. It could be a vacation. Our bodies and minds need time to catch up with us. So to jump into the next thing doesn't actually serve us. So that time is a focus on self-care and kind of making time for that transition. We can read. I, I can't tell you how many books I've read, and I'm sure you have too. Uh, we can get all this information, but when it's in our mind and not in our heart, it's very different. So when mm-hmm. I work with people and I talk about nourishment or movement or rest, it actually looks different for everybody. And to implement that into our schedule, it really is has to come from the heart. So what I actually focus on is I help people look at their schedule and see how do we add this in without it being extreme and how do we honor your needs and notice how you feel before, during, and after to see if it actually is supporting you.
0: Mm, yeah. I know one thing that's really helped me prioritize movement is consciously noticing how I feel after and and pausing to appreciate how good my lungs feel after I've been out walking in the crisp air. It makes me think this is worth doing and I want to do it again. Whereas before I started working with you, I think I would do the movement sort of as a checklist because I was supposed to and then rush in the house and start working without pausing to notice my body and how good it felt, which reinforces, like I said, that I want to keep doing it in the future.
1: Absolutely. And there are so many different types of movement as well. You mentioned a great one walking, but we had this checklist of what movement should look like as opposed to what it actually could be. And it could be uh, something like dancing around with your kids in the living room. It mm. may be um, for me, I love doing Tai Chi and yoga, and that honors me. But everyone mm-hmm. I've, I've spoken to, they have different things if they really check in with themselves that honor them and they get a different feeling and connection in their body. And that's what we're looking for as opposed to a checklist and getting through it.
0: Yes. And you often tell me, check in with your body. Explain what that means and how someone would do it. If they're trying to figure out what self-care would look like for them, how would they check in with their body to find that out?
1: Okay. That's a great question. So emotional eaters and people who binge eat, they tend to shut down and suppress their body. In order to check in with the body, what we need to do is actually physically slow down and start noticing kind of that gut feeling that we get. So as we take a breath, notice if you get like an icky feeling, notice if you feel good about it, if it feels warm and loving, and start trying to listen to your body. Um, The Mm -hmm. work I do is really less about the eating and more about the body connection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I think leads really well into your second takeaway. It leads right into it. Um, What's the second way that we can heal our relationship with food?
1: Okay, so oftentimes we are disconnected from our physical body. And I'd say we learn that from a young age, right? Don't feel your feelings. Don't cry. Move on. And we don't honor ourselves. Babies, if we look at babies, that's what they do, right? They cry when they're hungry, they stop when they're full, they cry if they're in pain, we don't do that as much as adults. So we disconnect from our natural instinct. And the issue with that, the problem with that is that we start to disassociate from our body. In order Mm -hmm. to connect to our body, what we actually need to do is start learning to be with it. I often talk about something called the window of tolerance. And what that means is we all have the ability to be in our body. And when we feel too much so when things get too overwhelming and we don't have the resiliency we actually leave our body and we go into something either called hyper arousal or hypo arousal Mm -hmm. and hyper arousal is when you feel really anxious and on and your heart's racing there's so many examples that we start noticing maybe you start sweating you are not connected to your physical body in this space When you go into hypoarousal, which is the opposite, that's when our bodies shut down. So we might feel really lethargic, can't get up, um, feel depressive, have trouble moving. That's our body's way of telling us that we're not in our bodies. This idea of the window of tolerance is something that we practice to get back into our physical body. And there are many great tools to start doing that. A big one is breathing which is easier said than done because oftentimes we hold our breath. But you can use different tools like using essential oils and it helps you get back into your body or going for a walk if you're in hypoarousal, maybe even bouncing on a ball, even um, rubbing your hands. So if you take one hand and just massage your hand, you can start really connecting to your physical body. What Mm -hmm. this leads to is having a body connection and starting to have awareness of your body and how this actually helps with food is it helps you to stop shutting down because what we do with emotional eating is we shut down and we block out all our awareness and this helps us get back into our body.
0: Yeah, this has been huge for me, huge. Um, I never realized before I started working with you, how often I leave my body. I am very in my head. I am very analytical. I I don't even notice hunger a lot of the times or the physical sensations of my body. I get sucked into work or whatever I'm doing. And it's like I've left my body. And so having you teach me to come back into my body, it, it sounds so strange because it seems like I'm in my body, right? I'm living my daily life, but I'm not noticing my body. I'm not aware. I'm not listening. And so You've taught me things like, while I'm working, put a pillow on my stomach and just kind of like squeeze it to remind myself, I'm here, my body's here, or like a weighted blanket or um, jump up and down, just sort of to get back into your body um, has been really helpful for me. And with the window of tolerance, that phrase, does that mean like how much you can tolerate being in your body? Or what does that mean, window of tolerance?
1: So... Um, it's exactly as you just said. So it's really understanding how much you can tolerate and that window of tolerance. We want to grow that, want to grow the ability to stay within our body and not leave. Mm. Um, The more you practice connecting to your physical body, the more that will grow. So you gave some good examples as well. And some other ones would be um, a pulsating shower head and just getting into the shower and moving your body around so you can start physically connecting or rubbing mm-hmm. your legs and just feeling them, right? So before you go for the food is just feel your physical body and start remembering that when you connect to it, food might not be what you're actually looking for.
0: Mm-hmm. And in what ways does food, I mean, because when we binge or when we restrict, we are using food to leave our body. Right. Or can you explain that a little bit? How, how are we doing that?
1: Yeah. So if we, there are a few different ways we want reasons why we want to leave our body. Um, it could be because we're tired, we're bored. could be because we're sad and the emotion is too heightened or Mm. we're angry and we haven't learned how to sit with our feelings and in our body. Mm. So if we haven't learned it, then how can we manage it? It feels too overwhelming. So for many of us, what we'll do is we'll go for the food and that way we numb out with it. We use it as a way to suppress. What I'm hoping to teach you today is that um, the more you're able to build resiliency and sit with the feelings, and this is like riding a bike. It takes practice. Mm -hmm. Um, The more you practice it, the less you're going to want to leave your body and the less food will be desirable. You'll eat it to enjoy it, but you won't eat it to numb out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how, if someone's feeling a really overpowering, overwhelming feeling that's uncomfortable, maybe it's anger or grief or stress, anxiety, how do you sit with a feeling? That, <laughs> it seems like kind of an abstract concept. How do you stay in your body and sit with a feeling?
1: Okay, that's a really good question. So I know a lot of counselors, um, they'll have you sit with it right away, but that could very, be very traumatizing. Right? You can re-trigger yourself and it could be very overwhelming. What I highly recommend is to sit with a feeling when it's about a 6 out of 10. So it's not so overwhelming that it's too hard to sit with. And just noticing what does it feel like in your body. So as you breathe, where in your body is it sitting? What does it feel like as you connect with it in your body? So for example, sadness might be in your heart. What does that feel like as you connect with that, even for 30 seconds, maybe putting your hand on your heart and just noticing that that sensation and feeling is there and really connecting to it. And Mm -hmm. then if you want the food, go for it. Don't deprive yourself of that. But what we want to look for is learning to build the resiliency to notice what that feeling feels like in your physical body.
0: Mm. Have you seen the movie Soul yet, the Pixar movie?
1: I did. I watched it a couple of days ago.
0: Could we just watched it last night. And I will say that I thought of you in the part where, so if anybody hasn't seen it, he sort of dies. He's like in the in-between. And his soul is trying to get back to his body because he wants to go back and live and live his purpose and everything. And so he's desperately trying to get his soul back into his body. And to do that, they have him like, find his body, close his eyes, find his body where it is on earth and try to feel his body and feel the sensations and smell what his body is smelling at that time. His body's in a hospital, his soul is kind of in the in-between. And I thought of you because this practice of coming back to your body and coming back to your five senses when you sort of left it and reconnecting, can be really powerful.
1: Absolutely. It's, um, coming back to ourselves, uh, I I keep going back to when we're babies, and we're born, we come into this world knowing ourselves. And when we leave our body, by listening to other people's comments and advice, we disconnect from ourselves. And as I think back to that movie, and I see how the simplest things really do connect us to what our true essence is, and who we are, that allows us to um, be true to ourselves. And then to be fair, we really don't need much other support than connecting to our true selves.
0: That's beautiful. And what is your third takeaway?
1: Okay, so this one is really important for anyone that turns to food or binges, emotionally eats, anyone that has any disordered eating whatsoever. I really want to emphasize that food is not the enemy. If we think about it, food has supported us through so many hard times in our life. And I want you to imagine who you'd be If you didn't have that food at that time, right? How Mm -hmm. would you have gotten through? I know Mm -hmm. for me, I started, as I mentioned, emotionally eating when I was six. And if I didn't have food, then I don't really know how I would have managed. So Mm -hmm. as we go for the food, there's a gentleness and self-compassion self-love that I'm offering you to bring in and notice that food is not bad. It's not the enemy. It's a tool. And I often like to offer people to imagine a toolbox and if you can visualize a toolbox, we are not getting rid of food. We might want food in there for 20% of our toolbox. But if it takes up more than that, let's say it's 80 or 90% of the tools we use, then that's not going to be very helpful.
0: And um, this is like tools to cope. That's what exactly. this, what this toolbox is. Okay, So food can, it's okay for it to take up 20% of the toolbox. We just don't want it to take up 90% of the toolbox.
1: Absolutely. Because food is enjoyment, right? We enjoy food or else why would we eat it? Uh, We just don't want to hurt ourselves with it uh, Mm. too often or at all, um, but we want to use it to support us. Um, As I mentioned, if we can look at it as it's a tool that you might not want to use as often, Mm -hmm. um, you want to add in other tools to support you, then that's a great idea. But to beat yourself up for using that tool um, is really hard on us. I think mm-hmm. also anyone that starts a diet or a health plan, if you get rid of these tools, these coping tools without adding in, adding in new ones, then how are you uh, supporting yourself emotionally? You, you strip away the emotional support. Um, that can't last very long because mm-hmm. we need to support ourselves and be there for ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you start a diet and you take away the tool that has been your primary tool for coping with big emotions – what are you going to turn to? What are you going to do? It's not sustainable. Or you may fill that toolbox with something else that isn't a really positive tool for coping. That um, as you fill your toolbox with lots of different ways to support yourself, um, with food just being a small part of it, then you can really support yourself from multiple angles, which is the goal. And I love what you said there about your inner child, and well, when you were actually a child, and that inner child is still there, which is something that you've really taught me. I remember in one of our very first few sessions, you had me meet my inner child and imagine her and I was like, this is straight crazy. (laughs) 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 Like, being the analytical that I am, and you're like, close your eyes and talk to her. And I'm like, this is bizarre. (laughs) And now, and now when you have me do that, I'm like, I'm in it. You're like, close your eyes. And I'm like, let's do this, you know, <laughs> which, which shows how far I've come. But it has been really powerful for me to remember that there is still a child in there. I am still the same person that I was when I was six and scared when my mom was dying of cancer. And I love what you said there about respecting that you used food because you needed it and it helped you and it was an emotional support for you. And you can almost thank it for the support that it was to you while also saying, I no longer need you to be the only way that I support myself, but I don't hate you. I'm not going to cut you out of my life completely. Um, Thank you for the support that you've been to me. And now I'm going to start introducing other things into my life as well.
1: Exactly. So I don't know if you remember, but I had you write a letter to your body and thanking yourself, (laughs) thanking food for all the support and love and emotional support it's been for that period of time. So we don't want to get rid of it. And we want to honor that inner child, which I love my inner child work. And we all have this little boy or girl inside of us that still needs love nurturing, emotional support. So uh, really honoring and tapping into that to really get those needs met. When we create our toolbox, we know that food's there. It's always there if we want to fall back on it. We don't have to take that away. But let's start talking about bringing in new tools. So these are, uh, for example, essential oils, taking a hot bath, I have a list of, I have a physical toolbox that I created actually with uh, one of my groups. And what we did is I created a list of songs and podcasts that I really enjoy that I find nurturing and loving, uh, different books, different phrases, affirmations, different things that really honor me. And as we create these tools and this toolbox, what it does is it allows us to make gentle transitions to know nobody's taking away your food. So you can tell that little girl, nobody's taking away her food. However, she doesn't need it the way she did. She has other resources and tools that we can start incorporating.
0: Mm, yes. So people listening can sit down and actually make a list of what's in their toolbox or make a physical toolbox. Because sometimes when we're in the midst of the hard emotion, we can't even access what our tools are. It's nice to have a physical list to look at of what what are the things that calm me um, that I can turn to. I can call my sister, I can do this or that. And that's a really practical thing that people could do after listening to this episode.
1: Absolutely. So think about what books you like. Think about the people that you get comfort in. Think about the tools that help you connect to your body, like a hot bath Mm -hmm. or a walk, or just massaging your own hands. Um, maybe buying a mini trampoline that really Mm -hmm. helps us get back into our body. Um, Yelling into a pillow if you're angry. Hugging a pillow um, if you're feeling sad or lonely. Um, having a weighted blanket is a great tool as well to feel soothed and comforted if we can't get physical hugs from other people. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of tools that if we create this toolbox in the time, we can just go to it and not worry as much um, about remembering it.
0: Yeah. And one of the tools in my toolbox is writing. And that's always been a tool in my toolbox my whole life, but you have taken that to a next the next level by encouraging me to write letters, like you said, to my body, to food, to movement, to people in my life that I need to say something to that have affected my story. And these are letters I'll never send, um, but that has been extremely powerful. And I actually read the letter to my body on a podcast episode a couple years ago. And I'll link that in the show notes if people are interested in hearing that because it was very healing for me to write a letter. And you didn't tell me which direction to take it. You didn't say write a nice letter or write a mean letter. (laughs) You just said write a letter. And what came out was so loving and gentle that I really loved and wanted to support and care for my body, um, which surprised me because I was feeling mad at my body at that time. I had been diagnosed with a chronic illness that I and I was angry but what came out was gentle.
1: And think about how many different emotions and feelings we have to one person, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can have the sadness, sometimes we can have the loneliness, sometimes we can have anger. And same with the body. Sometimes we may be angry. Sometimes we might be loving. And it's really important to recognize that's one emotion out of many that we have. So as you write this letter that nobody else is going to see is to really honor that feeling that's coming up at that time without guilt Mm. um, because it's just one aspect of it.
0: Yes. I'm glad you pointed that out because it is okay if people are angry with their body or with food because you have to work through those emotions. You have to get them out and not suppress them anymore. So write what you feel, get it out somehow. And writing is a great way to do that.
1: Yes. And before, uh, before we accept anything, there's the feeling it, right? So I have as well some chronic illnesses and I had a lot of anger towards my body for it, right? And as I wrote it out, tears came out. And then Mm. afterwards, I was able to find some acceptance. It's not perfect. But I could really recognize that my body overall is working well. And I'm grateful for it. I couldn't get there just by telling myself that I needed Mm -hmm. to feel the anger, the frustration, the sadness. And then after we honor our body and what we feel, we can then bring in some acceptance.
0: Yes. Well, Natalie, this has been beautiful and so helpful. I'm sure people have a sense now of why I've loved working with you. I'm sure there's also people in the audience who are thinking, I want to work with her. So tell us how people can work with you if they need more help in this area.
1: Oh, Absolutely. So I have actually a 10-week course coming up January 26th, and you can sign up for that. It's a 10-week course. A small group of us will get together and work weekly, and I will walk you through all these different tools and all these different ways to support you in your healing journey with food. I also as well do one-on-one work, which I'm happy to chat with you about as well. Uh, If you have any questions, whether it's to work with me or you're just curious about learning some more information and want some direction, you can always email me. I'm always happy to support people, and that information is on my website
0: Okay, great. And we'll link that, we'll link all of that in the show notes, of course. So thank you so much for your time coming on 3 and 30. And more than anything, thank you for the incredible impact that you've had on my life, your friendship, your mentorship, and your professional expertise that have helped me so much get through some really hard things in the last five years. I just, I love you. I think the world of you. So thank you for everything you've done for me.
1: Thank you, Rachel. It really is an honor to work with you. Many, many
0: thanks to Natalie for teaching us that it is possible to heal our relationship with food by doing things that are seemingly unrelated to food, but that nourish our souls from the inside out. Here's a recap of those three tools. First, prioritize self-care. This means tapping into your body and soul and asking, what do you need? Is it more rest, more time with friends, more movement, more nourishing meals? A cause or a hobby or a job to give you more purpose in your day-to-day life? A slower pace? A clue to what your soul needs might be how you feel before, during, and after an activity. So make sure you pause long enough to evaluate that. Second, start connecting with your physical body. Many of us spend the majority of time in our heads. We may not even realize it. This week, notice whether you are able to tolerate uncomfortable emotions and allow them to be felt in your body, or do you try to numb them through undereating, overeating, or other coping tools? When we find ourselves outside of our bodies, we can bring ourselves back by jumping up and down, or squeezing or yelling into a pillow, running or walking, taking a hot bath or shower, and really feeling the sensations on our skin breathing in essential oils or simply lying on our bed and feeling each part of our body sink heavily into the mattress there are endless options for how to do this and how to expand our window of tolerance for staying in our bodies and third and finally remember that food is not your enemy and should be allowed to be one tool for coping in your emotional toolbox acknowledge the ways that food has supported you in times when you really needed it consider writing food or your body a letter thanking it or expressing all of your varied emotions around it and then experiment with other coping skills that you might want to add to your emotional toolbox over time without eliminating food altogether so you have a nice variety in there i loved what natalie said about how food can be in the toolbox maybe taking up 20 percent of the space but it shouldn't be taking up 90 percent of the space and we need to vary the ways that we are supporting ourselves Friends, this is deep work that I have devoted years of my life to, and I still don't have it mastered. But I know my window of tolerance has grown, and I've gotten more comfortable with feeling uncomfortable emotions without escaping them through food. If you recognize that you need a bit more support in this area, I can't recommend Natalie's work highly enough, and I'd encourage you to start with her course about healing emotional eating. I'd also invite you to listen to some of the episodes from the archives, and I'll link them in the show notes where I talk about my experiences in counseling and share some of the writing I've done over the years. This new year, instead of resolving to shrink our bodies and fight against food, let's resolve to heal our relationship with our bodies and food. These three takeaways are a great place to start. As always, please know that I am rooting for you. I love you. And I hope you have a great week
1: with your family.